The Center for Medical Simulation presents Welcome to SimFails and other conversations from the Sim Sofa. You're here with Marcus Raul from Good Old Germany. And all the way from Australia, you've got Kirsty Freeman and Janice Palaganis from Boston, USA. What's up, my friends? Good to catch up with you guys. Hey, is it still early morning? All right, so <laughs> I am about, this is going to be a traumatic episode for me because I'm reliving an absolute sim fail, but I feel like it's important to share it with the world so that they learn from my pain because it was... Well, there's just a couple of people listening. So. <laughs> it was really <laughs> awful. So, so the topic is confidentiality breach. I think most sim centers have a confidentiality policy. Basically, whatever happens in the simulation or in the simulation center stays in the simulation center. I think if people go into your center or your program knowing that things would be shared, it makes it for uh, an unsafe learning environment and really harms the learning and the teaching that goes on in your center. So I happen to be running a uh, course and the simulation revealed a patient safety issue where we actually did compromise the patient care from what was going on. In the debriefing, the the clinicians, and it was a clinical team, basically said, no, this is the way we do it all the time. We know we're not supposed to do it, but this is the way we do it all the time. So being that we are a patient safety group, like all simulationistas, I decided that it was our obligation to let the director of the department know and the chiefs know that this was going on. Oh. <laughs> and, and I was really struggling because, you know, I thought about the confidentiality and I thought, well, our ultimate goal though is to keep patients alive. <laughs> and safe. And it was such a safety breach that I thought, well, this kind of oversteps some of that. And by doing that, essentially, clearly, I I, uh, breached the confidentiality of the participants in that course. I didn't say which group it was, but still, these are people that took my course where I told them that anything that happens here stays here. And then I went to the director of the program to say, hey, look, I discovered through simulation that your department is unsafe because of this. So as a result, we came up with uh, a new policy on working with the participants to report it themselves to their director and that we would need confirmation from both groups that it's being addressed and just leave the simulation center out of it. But when we have high patient risk identification, that we would have to um, enforce this new policy. Has this ever happened to you? Yeah, I think the dilemma is always there. You know, it, it, it doesn't even have to be big things like it probably was in your case, you know, even the little minor things where you think, wow, that's not, you know, gold standard practice or, or could be dangerous or, or and, and you're all, always having these conflicts. So I think it's widespread. Janice, for a start, I want to say thank you for sharing your breach. 
I think it's really important. And what, what sort of springs to mind for me comes to this policy that refer, you refer to, because I think it's become quite commonplace for uh, individual educators or hospital-based centres or university-based simulation centres to have what they think is a policy of confidentiality. And, and we, you know, people talk about the Vegas rule, what happens here stays here and it'll never be talked about. In the education that I do, that, that is not our policy because most of the learners that come through the simulation that we're doing are early on in their careers. They might be junior doctors, graduate nurses, and attending the simulation-based programs are part of their ongoing education that uh, complements the bedside teaching and other things that they're having during their first few years as clinicians. So we make it very clear to our learners that we don't adopt, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas policy. That at times, if things come up during a simulation where we see there is an opportunity to improve an individual's performance or a systems-based thing, we will make it very clear at the end of the debrief to those group of learners what we would like to do about it. You know, that's, that's what I've approached in my practice. And I think people need you to stop and think before adopting this blanket, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You know, what works for your context? So interesting. What does that do for the, their anxiety, though? Like knowing that anything that they do, you could potentially share with their, I guess it would be their, their professor or their... Yeah, so what you have to remember is that this simulation is not a standalone educational opportunity. It's part of a, a larger program. Mm. So actually, it's about your culture. So if we're asking people to come and potentially be vulnerable during a simulation, that we now have built up a culture that this is actually an okay place. Because if we do discover during the simulation that there is an opportunity to fine tune a component of your practice, have time for that, you're about to now go back to the clinical environment. So if I can tell the more senior colleague that's working alongside you that there are some things that they could work on with you that came out in the sim, they love it. Mm. But it's about being open and honest and transparent with people at the beginning um, before they go okay. into it. But now that we've been doing this for about six years, the learners and everybody have now got this culture that it's actually okay. Yeah. So what, what we do is kind of we separate the confidentiality, confidentiality for the learners, for the individual learners, um, and the structures and processes. So everyone who does a simulation, especially if we do in, in situ simulations at the point of care, we, we even give a report, an official report to the hospital uh, department chief or, or something, but not about individual performance, but of course about structures and processes which we might have found or detected in the debriefings that there are problems. So everyone knows that we report on structures and processes, but not on individual performance. So interesting. I mean, I think in alignment with you, Marcus, my experience has been the, you know, any high stakes simulations where you're doing simulations for grading or saying that it's pass fail or certification. Those do get shared and they usually know it, but the center looks different. The signage looks different. Everything looks different. The, the forms are different. The learning at the 
you know, I've only worked at two different places for simulation, actually three, um, and the learning is, there's always some sort of confidentiality. So Kirstie, I have to ask in, because I think you, you have worked at different places, have the, the other places that you've worked, were they confidentiality driven? Did they have that policy? And, and if so, what is the difference between both places since I haven't experienced not having this confidentiality policy? Yeah, so yeah, I have worked in a variety of different environments where the policy has differed depending on the context. Because as we say, sometimes when you're doing um, high stakes assessment, uh, it is very much about, you know, you don't report back on anyone's performance, whether they passed or failed. That's, you know, um, only the faculty know that. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I've worked at academic, you know, um, simulation centres where, you know, that level of confidentiality is required. I mean, I was in Department of Defence type stuff or, you know, working with Australian government agencies. It, you know, we have processes in place and policies for that type of experience. But the experience that I'm sharing with you today over the last six years is hospital-based. Oh, okay. Situations where, you know, simulation is part of an ongoing program. So these are groups of learners that you have for a period of time. They're not, um, you know, people that come in one off and you never see them again. It's, it's a program of ongoing education. So I think I that's why people, when people are coming up with policies, um, don't just look at someone else's policy and think that you need to adapt to that. Think about how that works to your context, what it is that you're trying to achieve. And I think, once again, as long as we are open and honest and transparent to our faculty, to our learners, that everybody that's involved in that particular experience knows what the expectations are, that's the bit to me that's important. Yeah, I think that's most important that people know how you deal with these issues. You know, and so that they are not after the training realize, oh, you are reporting my performance back to my <laughs> uh, department. Uh, so I, I would like to know that before I start the training, right? <laughs> and I think what you're saying, Kirsty, like applies to any policy and procedure, just understanding your culture, your context. There's so many policy and procedure free share manuals out there that people can download and adopt in their own centers but yeah. look at each one to see if it actually if it's necessary because why put extra rules on onto your system when you don't need them and it sounds like the experience that you had resulted in um, a policy change you know you worked out that that policy wasn't functional for what you needed to do because I think you're right we do simulation <laughs> it's a good um, and point. it gives us I'm going to tell you it's a good point because other people have adopted our policy and procedure manual because I did I was one of the free share people at the time and and yep. every single policy that's in our book just like in the hospital system or any organization exists yep. probably because there was some problem that occurred and it's so unique to <laughs> that to that center that um is that's just so funny to me. Yeah. But but regarding the individual uh, performance feedback, I think that that's important that people know about that. And I, I would expect that this also influences behavior, you know, no matter how open and transparent things are. If I know that in my simulation, I'm already kind of tested as an individual with feedback to whoever, I'm that's, that might change my behavior instead of having this kind of 
safe learning atmosphere where I can kind of do whatever I want without being tested, though, in the sense of assessment drives performance. Yeah, no, look, I, I'm going to disagree yeah. because I think we can still have a safe learning environment. Um, and I think that might be another podcast that we talk yeah. about what that actually is and what that looks like. But it's about, you know, I'm never going to go off and talk about your performance in the simulation with your colleague that's going to be working in ED with you this afternoon without your involvement. Okay. So, you know, I'm going to do that with you. And as I said, because this is a, something that we've been doing now for a number of years, yeah. our learners come knowing and they engage with it. They're happy with it okay. because they know that if during the simulation they uh, have difficulty doing a particular procedure and it doesn't turn out how they wanted to do and they want to, you know, they've acknowledged within themselves as an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're happy that I'm able to facilitate. Yeah. Um, someone following through and building up yeah, on that. Yeah. Thank you so much, both of you, for your discussion here. I, I think that, generally speaking, confidentiality is so important to learning in terms, in terms of like they are, we are testing their identity and their performance. And there's so much that we're triggering in a person and they are completely vulnerable in our hands. And yeah. for them to engage to open up in that vulnerability so that we can teach and they can learn to me requires this level of psychological safety, which may be confidentiality. Kirsty, I think the environment you're in is amazingly different than most in that I like the idea of you have the same groups coming in and out and it's part of the system. That makes sense that there's this, there's yeah. this culture of continuous learning, um, transparent learning, which is really nice. And I think it's like hashtag goals for, for all <laughs> sim centers, um, but we're not quite there yet. <laughs> and I'll just remind everybody that the context that I'm working is small, rural and remote sites. So these are where our teams are much smaller. So everybody knows each other. Not only are they simulating together and they're providing clinical care together they're probably on the local football team <laughs> and so, they are in beautiful know, australia everything right? is entwined okay may i share my feelings on the <laughs> las vegas principle which is which oh, is please do please the do confidentiality well you thing. don't like las vegas no i really <laughs> don't and you know why because what happens in vegas stays in vegas is intended for people who are betraying their husbands, who are spending money which they spend for the education of their children, you know, and they destroy so their lives and other people's Marcus. lives. And this is kept secret in Las Vegas. What yeah. happens is in Vegas, stays in Vegas, are crimes or near crime behavior. Yeah. So for me, so far away from what we do in a simulation center that I really don't like this association at all, you know, because it it frames that we are doing sins in the sim center and that people <laughs> are performing crimes and we are kind of keeping the crimes and stuff like this. So I really think we should a nice example. I like the show. Right. I like Las Vegas, <laughs> but not that uh, comparison. What do you so think? I love that so much. I'm not going to use it anymore. So I've got another reason why I don't like it. 
So as you just suggested there, Marcus, the whole concept of, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas means what happens here in the sim stays in the sim. It doesn't leave these four walls. Well, that goes against yeah. everything that we talk about when we say we want to take the learnings from the simulation and apply in our clinical practice. We want people to take mm. out what we're doing out of Vegas, out of the sim, and apply it into the real world. <laughs> so, you know, this, yeah. this terminology doesn't fit on a couple of different levels. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think that people use the Las Vegas thing for the confidentiality that we do not tell somebody that you couldn't intubate the patient or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's that we don't talk about bad performance or problems, stuff like this. So I understand this, but still, because it, it refers to sins and, and crimes, I think that's the wrong frame for us. As well, I think, <laughs> I think the reason that I have used it is because as an educator, you're always trying to say things in a way that people can understand. And that's just an easy phrase that people understand. Yet there's got to be a better phrase that doesn't connote that we are being naughty in the simulation. Exactly. Like, exactly. So do you have one? I think that's a challenge that we need to put out there to our listeners. That if they I like come up with another way. That's awesome. Kirsten. Yeah. So I reckon that's, oh, that's what we need. <laughs> Nothing springs to mind right, for so, me right this minute. So make sure you comment on our podcast uh, with suggestions. Yeah. Your ideas. An alternative to what yeah. happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, minus yeah. the naughty connotation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking this through with me. And uh, I think that's the whole purpose of our podcast is to share our failures so other people can learn and i hope that uh, our listeners will share with us their failures um, and if you'll share it with us at hashtag sim fails so others can also learn from you too thank you sim fails and other conversations from the simulation sofa is brought to you by the center for medical simulation find out more at harvardmedsim.org